1: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Zero Ducks Given. And I'll be honest, we weren't planning on recording a podcast this early. We were going to record on Sunday or even Monday and reflect on a nice long five-day test match. One that had hopefully gone down to the wire and Ben Stokes had seen us home batting alongside Jack Leach once again. But sadly, that wasn't the case. And instead, inside two days, England have lost to India by 10 wickets and on the last episode Dan and I actually predicted wins for England and we also said how much the pink ball was going to swing under the lights and how that was going to bring the seamers into it and spin took 28 of the 30 wickets Uh, so if you are looking for a podcast which has got its finger on the pulse of modern cricket then you have come to the wrong place I think the most upsetting thing of all is that the weekend plans that I had In my mind's eye, this beautiful lockdown weekend where I was not going to move from the sofa and I was going to drink myself into oblivion and watch England win the Test match over Saturday and Sunday has been completely ruined by a ridiculous pitch, or was it, in Ahmedabad? And instead, I guess I'll just have to, you know, speak to my fiance and, and get to know her over the weekend which is which is a real shame uh daniel and finney are once again here let me come to you daniel norcross first i can't take the mick because you and i both predicted mm. bold wins for england what was it armada bad pitcher bad or england are bad
0: hey. Well, when Joe Root's taking five for eight, you have to ask some serious questions. The ball bolt to Washington Sunder today would be on Graham Swan's highlights reel, and he'd never let you forget about it. Wide of the crease, pinged in on middle and off, straightening and clipping the top of off stump. That's Joe Root doing that. I don't know. Look, the pitch wasn't a good pitch, was it? That'd be crazy. You couldn't turn around and say the pitch was a good pitch. That doesn't mean to say that it shouldn't have been prepared that way. It made for some fascinating and insane cricket. I have used up way too many episodes of The Sopranos. I, I should have kept 15 back for the next three days. That's what's really upsetting me. Uh, it isn't the fact that England's batters miss straight balls. I mean, I do that all the time. Well, why should they be any better just because, you know, they play for England? Uh, that, that, that's, that's not what's upset me. It's everything that you said. I just wanted to watch more cricket. You know, I got this like ticked off on the... On the, on the lockdown list, I can get through this week. This will be fine. I still haven't had my vaccine. I'm really upset.
1: <laughs> How is Daniel Norcross not considered enough of a national treasure that you'd be at the front of my vaccine queue, Daniel? Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome, mate. I'm at the front of mine. <laughs> um, I mean, we did defend the pitch a little bit last time and say it was, uh, it was England com- complaining unnecessarily. I should point out that the England cricket team haven't ever really blamed the pitch too much. It's more people in the media, ex-England players and the like that are whinging about the pitch. Uh, But what about this time, Stephen Finn? Was the pitch one step too far this time, do you reckon?
2: Oh, well, if you're an Indian fan, you'd say absolutely not because you've got yourselves 2-1 up in the series. I think we mentioned it on the last podcast that you'd be foolish to think that England were going to get prepared a nice green nipping seamer for their seamers to bowl on or for them to get a flat wicket that they can amass a huge amount of runs in the first innings again. I think India turned this test match into a straight shootout, a little bit of a lottery, but just back their spinners to be able to bowl a little bit better than England's and back their batsmen to scrap themselves up to a more competitive total than England did. So, yeah, the fact that the test match was done and dusted in two days, the quickest since something silly, since 1932, I think. Um,
0: 1935, 1935 sorry 1935. I've given you them th- you were on the social today you should I know, have been three extra results,
2: years right? I've given them there yeah but it's is something stupid so yeah it's um I, I would say that the pitch was substandard for producing good quality test match cricket but in saying that it did exactly what it said on the tin for India in order to get themselves up in the series I think that the interesting thing now will be that they are 2-1 up what are they going to produce in the fourth test match? Because the groundsman has a little bit of time to sort himself out and work out what they want, whether they want to draw the test match, whether they want to try and win it, but give England a little bit of a sniff. That would be interesting.
0: One well, thing I would say, though, about this pink ball is that I, I think it is a real shock, actually, because the previous day-night test that took place in India, in Kolkata, did really favour the scene And it wasn't that I think anybody expected that the pitch that Emderbad was going to really favour the scene, it was that it was actually going to favour both, which is what brought England into it. And that's why everybody had been looking at this series. And I think actually, Philly, you said it as well, at the start of the series, when we'd go through predictions 3-1, because England would fancy their chances in the day-night test. Now, it's incredible that Anderson and Broad picked for that game, bowled 19 overs. They never bowled fewer overs in a match when they played together Between them, they didn't take a wicket. And it wasn't because they bowled badly. It was because all all the talk about the pink ball, it actually, I think, I don't know what you think, Finny, but it seemed to me that actually helped the spinners. It was a hard ball, a hard seam, especially early on with the new ball. It was really fizzing off that pitch. If you bowled it quick into the pitch, and it was noticeable, actually, that Root, who is a quick off-spinner, was very effective. I don't think if England had played another spinner they would have bowled India out for fewer than the 140 of they got them out for.
2: No, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to bowl a team on any wicket out for less than, than what all the teams got bowled out for in this game. Um, you can't go into a test match and expect to bowl people out for 70, 80, 90 runs. But I think the most difficult thing about this pitch was its inconsistency in spin. So the ones that spun and bounced were really extreme spin and bounce, but then there'd be the oddball that just wouldn't spin and it would just continue on with the arm. So then as a batsman, if a ball's consistently spinning big off a wicket, you give yourself a chance to be able to read what it's going to do if it's consistent in doing that. Whereas if you turn up and the wicket is not consistent in doing that, and that's why we saw Johnny Bairstow got bowled today on the last day of the game through the gate after what he'd seen Zach Crawley get castled one spinning past his outside edge. Um, And then Johnny pushes forward, tries to defend it, expecting it to spin. And it continues on with the arm. And, And that wasn't a difference in bowling action, a difference in seam position. That was just natural variation of the pitch. And that, I think, is what made this pitch a lot harder than the one last week to bat on. And I think that's also why India struggled to score runs on it as well. And that's a pretty big sign for a wicket that isn't that great is when the home team who's renowned for scoring big runs, even on tricky or in tricky conditions, really struggled to score as well.
1: Yeah, and and that's why I don't want to stick the knife into this England team too much, because I'm sure 100 years from now, when they look back at this scorecard, you know, they'll be going, oh, look, England got, England got spanked there. But make no mistake about it. India really struggled to bat on this wicket as well. I mean, Joe jo Root took five for eight. We should not lose sight of the fact that Joe Root took five for eight. So this was certainly a very, very difficult pitch to bat on. And I think it was a bit of everything. It was the pink ball and it was the wicket. And I think by the time England came to bat the second time, their their heads were completely scrambled. I don't think any batsman had any idea what they wanted to do.
0: I- I couldn't agree more, but there's something quite strange about this. that I think that England will be less demoralised from losing inside two days and being bowled out for under 115 in both innings than when they pitch up, scored 400 and lost by an innings, when when India scored over 700. For sort of five days of agonising toil of it, the fact that they can say to themselves that felt like a bit of a lottery. You know, we might have got 140, and they might have got 120, and then they might have been set 120 in the last innings. They can see a route to to winning a game when it's played like that, whereas actually you can't see a route to winning a game where scoring 450 is not enough. You're still losing by an innings. You know, and I I said earlier on Twitter, it was like they didn't India didn't give themselves the opportunity to apply mental disintegration to England. By playing on a pitch like that, they just made them mentally niffed, a bit, a bit <laughs> fucked in the head for, yeah. for about yeah. a day, but not for five days, which is what test cricket, that's when it really ruins you.
1: Yeah, I I, I completely agree. And I and, and I take your points. And um I mean, is there anything that England could have done differently because you know they can't blame the pitch and like I said earlier they haven't really the team haven't the media have made a lot of uh, complaints and a lot of excuses about the pitch but I think that the team have been quite upfront about the fact that they just haven't played very well I was shouting and getting quite angry at my tv screen or actually I should say my computer screen in the radio studio where I shouldn't have been watching the game but watched every single ball during my show but I was I was shouting at the screen stop playing a forward defensive because it was going past the forward defensive. It was the most dangerous shot on that pitch seemed to be the forward defensive. And you look at who scored runs, Zach Crawley, Rohit Sharma. They played a few shots. And then when India chased 49 at the end, those two openers played some shots as well. I don't think it would have made any difference necessarily, but I thought Ben Stokes had the right idea when he came out and decided to play. And then he played a forward defensive and got out LBW. So was there anything they could have done differently? In my mind, they could have maybe in that third innings of the game just gone, do you know what? One day international mode because a quick 540 on that was worth 100 on a different pitch. Is, is that unfair, Finney? Is it very easy for me to sit here and be like, oh, I should have played some shots?
2: Yes, it is very, very easy for you to sit there and say... It felt
1: easy as I was doing it. Play it felt some, easy.
2: Yeah, play some shots against <laughs> the spin in the situation of the game where, yeah, it's very easy to sit here, especially in hindsight now and say they should have played more shots, they should have been more aggressive. But I think the way that um, they went about it, I think initially they had to try and suck the momentum away from India you know that England went into that batting innings remember having cleaned up the Indian tail and a real opportunity if they'd have got a 20 run partnership at the beginning of their batting innings where India may have started to panic and and chase wickets and that's when runs score are scored more freely so um, I think their intent wasn't wrong to do the right thing I just think their method in doing so Um, is the thing that they became muddled with. I think the players that played the best on the wicket, I think you take Rohit Sharma and uh, Crawley out in the first innings because they scored a majority of their runs driving off the seamers. They didn't actually score that many runs off the spin bowling. It was as soon as the spinners came on, that's when it was hard to put any pressure on the spinners because it was such a lottery once the ball pitched. So, So, yeah, I think... To say, just go out there and slog a few, I don't think in that context of the game where small margins are are so important, I don't think it's that easy to do. But in hindsight, when you look back on it, you could say, oh, if someone had slogged a quick 40, they'd have had a 100 lead and they might have been able to bowl India out. Yeah, I think it's tricky to say that. There are ways that you can be more proactive without needing to go out there and slog. And by that, I mean by using your feet to get to the pitch of the ball, by being right back on your stumps to defend the ball or manoeuvre it when you're playing off the back foot and not really being caught in between. I think the one thing that the England batsmen may look back on and think they could have done differently now is getting caught on that in-between length. And that's where you're just prodding from the crease. And that's where you get caught um, with the ball hitting you on the knee roll or maybe just trying to slide in past the outside edge of the bat.
0: Look, Crawley... Crawley's a really interesting case in point here isn't he because he looks a million dollars against every form of bowling actually other than left arm spin he, he was handling Ashwin okay slightly spooked a little bit by the one that went straight on when he came over the wicket uh, round the wicket rather to him in the first innings but he's he obviously has a problem with left arm spin because it's about picking the length the way he was out today for the first ball is he was bowled on the back foot not chopping on and if you're doing that you're obviously misreading the length because it shouldn't be on a back. Especially at
1: his height you, of six yeah. foot, f- Look, five, whatever its It is, wasn't yeah. a
0: grubber, right? You can get bold of the back foot to a grubber, but one that's coming through is going to hit, you know, three or four inches down, top of middle and off stump. He's obviously got a problem with left arm spin, you know, and, and KP had exactly the same problem. It doesn't make Zach Crawley a terrible batter overnight. It just means that he had the same problem with Embal Denia on pitches that didn't have quite the same menace in goal against Sri Lanka. And it's something that he'll have to look at. It's not the worst thing in the world, is it, at his age, to discover he's got a weakness against something early.
1: I think with Zach Crawley he's fascinating to watch at the moment because I mean he's got that ridiculous double hundred to his name. And in the first innings, he looked like he was batting like a million bucks. He's he's inconsistent, but in there somewhere is a hell of a player. And when he's when he's got going, he he looks fantastic. One final thing I would say, and Finney, you sort of mentioned it there as well about you know that sort of bats English batsman being a bit in between when the length was when the length was good, good. Do I go back? Do I go forward? One thing that was frustrating was, oh, was a real lack of a clear plan. It felt like Ollie Pope in one over against Ashwin tried six different tactics. He was like, I'm going to track. Oh no, that, that nearly got me out. Okay, I'm going to go back. Uh, okay, I'm going to reverse sweep. Okay, I'm going to block. Um, it just didn't feel like the batsman had necessarily gone out and gone, you know, if I'm Dom Sibley, how do I bat? Do you know, what's my strongest thing I can do? Ben Stokes did. Ben Stokes went, look, I'm probably best in these situations having a go because I'm good enough and I might pull something off here. But I think so many people uh, went out in their mind, not sure how they're going to bat. How difficult is it, Finney, in the middle of a test match to to change what you're doing? I mean, they all obviously have set techniques that weren't working for them in the first innings. Is, is it pretty much impossible because you're out on the pitch the whole time to go, right, second innings, I'm going to, for the first time ever, I'm going to use my feet against the spin, even though it's not normally how I'd play.
2: Yeah, I think it's incredibly hard to change habits like that mid-game. I think technical things you just can't even think about mid-game. You have to try and immerse yourself in the competition of the game, uh, first and foremost. But I think making sure that you have a plan, I think, is something that you can work on. And actually, as the game goes on, your plan develops and it evolves. Uh, If the pitch starts doing something different, your plan evolves. Because if you go in with... Just one way of playing, and say, right, this is how I'm accumulating my runs. Or as a bowler, for me, it's easier to talk about. But this is how I'm going to get my wickets, and the wicket's not conducive to that style of play. And you just crack on doing the thing that you said you were going to do before the game. That's when you become unstuck. So I think you'll see the best players, and one of the best players that I saw do this personally against me was AB de Villiers, and he's obviously a, a legend and a, and a hero. And he changed his trigger movement. To face me because i got more bounce than the other england bowlers in a couple of the test matches that i played against him and where he'd be on the crease line looking to come forward to a lot of the other guys to me his trigger movement would be all the way back and across and try and play everything from me off the back foot and almost force me to float the ball fuller so that then he can just cash in because when a tall bowler tries to bowl the ball fuller there's nowhere near as much venom on it so he was trying to cash in that way and that was a clear game plan that after one session of a test match he figured out and I found it hard to bolter to that because it was obvious that he was doing something different to what he would usually do and what we had prepared for in the test in the pre-game meeting. So um yeah, your your style and the point that I'm trying to make is that um, it's important that your style adapts and changes according to the conditions that you're playing in. And you should always try and be flexible with that without, like you say, doing something stupid that you've never practised before, like start reverse sweeping when you've never played a reverse sweep. Like that. That's just not that great.
0: Yeah, only the very greatest players can do what Finney's talking about. Joe Root did it in his first test match. First test match he played, he looked all at sea against spin in his first innings. And then he completely altered his approach, he got much, much deeper when going back, much, much further forward going forward. To a degree, Dom Sibley did that a little bit in the Sri Lanka series when he was undone in the first game and he had a very different approach to, to be more decisive in his movements. But it's, look, it's really, really hard to do that. You saw it wasn't just Ollie Pope played four or five different styles. Ben Stokes did as well, actually, one over from Ashwin. He blocked, he edged, he slog swept, he advanced. He tried a lot of different things, and he got the closest, didn't he, to actually to mastering it. And, and the one time it went wrong, was exactly as he said. But he played the forward defence, yeah. and you know, it's, it must be really, really difficult because I was brought up with a forward defence. Not about you—that was the first shot you learned and it was the one I was most proud of, and the one I can play best. Yeah.
1: yeah, well, and also we should point out at this point, like I said, I don't want to stick the knife into England team. It is a very young, inexperienced batting lineup. Joe Root and Ben Stokes are so far above the other batsmen in terms of experience and you know skill and ability at the moment. Um, and they were the two that even they were struggling to work out how the hell to bat on that pitch. Um, one man that does have experience and 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 a good record in the subcontinent, but um, Johnny Bairstow. I mean, as Test matches go, you've been rested. You're meant to go away and get your head your head right, and then you've got to fly back to India. You have got to isolate in your hotel room. Uh, you got to get back, pull back on an England shirt. You're trying to cement your place back in the Test team. Couldn't really have gone much worse. He got a a duck in the first innings and wasted a review on the plummest LBW I have ever seen, by the way. And then in the second innings, first ball, LBW shouts. It was sort of belly before wicket rather than leg before wicket. It was bouncing over, so he got away with that one. And then very next ball, clean bowled. I never know if I'm saying his name right, Daniel Norcross, but Stefan Schemilt. Yes, is that yeah? Stefan Schemilt, who's a colleague of yours, and uh, I know he's a Radio X listener. So thank you, Stefan. You're the guy that listens to my show. He put a tweet out earlier, which I enjoyed, asking, "Is Johnny Bees the worst?" two-ball innings in the history of <laughs> test cricket. <laughs> and, and it was pretty ugly. Um, one thing we haven't mentioned, by the way, here, is that India bowled very, very well. And we should mention that. And Aksa Patel, in particular, is, is looks unplayable at times, especially in these wickets. Finney, what's your worst ever innings? And I know you've got a very long list to choose from. And it's, it's only a 45-minute long podcast. so We can't go through all your terrible innings. But if there was one innings in particular... Do you feel like wow that was a really horrible shot, or wow I was all at sea there, or that was really ugly?
2: Well, I think there are a number of innings where I've walked off thinking, what on earth did I do there? <laughs> Being run out, um, I think, is one of the one of the most shameful things, especially when it's your fault. Um, <laughs> you've got to walk off, and and yeah, that's pretty shaming. But probably off the top of my head, I think. In New Zealand in 2013, when I scored my test 50, 56 it was, to save the How test match. How have you this question
1: about your worst innings? How <laughs> have you <laughs> even managed to worm your 50 Because this, this is the
2: preamble towards the uh, the punchline, that's why. Okay, I'm ready, I'm ready. But the preamble, I have to make myself sound good. So that, that 56, <laughs> that actually, I don't know if I mentioned it, did save the test match. Um, and the following, the, that was the first test match of the series. The second test match, I scored twenty 25 at wellington and actually played quite nicely scored played some nice shots hung around for a little bit so before the third test match of that series that was at auckland i had a phone call from my agent who said there's a company who want to put a sticker on the back of your bat for the final test match it was a i think it was a law firm a, a kiwi law firm and uh, and they want to pay you i think it was about 1500 quid or a couple of grand to have this sticker on my back for the test match. So I was like, sweet, spending money, treat the boys to a few of my schoolmates when I get home to to a night out or something in some swanky London nightclub. I'll take it. So stickers get delivered to the hotel, go out there, first innings of the test match, naught. I think it was it been was first ball, it was the first couple of balls, just naught, nicked off to Trent Bolt, done and dusted, thanks for coming. I thought, yeah, okay, that's okay, that's fine. I can accept that. I've had two good innings. I've always got the second innings to make sure that these people on the back of my back get some sort of exposure. Didn't think about it. Test match goes on. And this is the third test match where Monty Panesar and Matt Pryor had to end up batting out the final day or the final hour of the game or something. But I was night watchman for on the fourth evening going into the fifth day. So I walk out there on the fourth evening and there, there's literally nine Kiwis around me under my nose and I'm batting and I'm quite friendly with a lot of the Kiwis because they're all good blokes generally and oh
0: no don't say that no they are I'm happy with Kiwis Kiwis are of course everyone is
2: Kiwis are the nicest (laughs) Kiwis are the nicest people in the world I think I think there's no exception
1: They've got the good part of the Australians without the dick parts of the Australians, haven't they? This is, they're, they're,
0: they're. Yeah, where's the breaking news? All Kiwis are dicks. We haven't heard that again. Again, <laughs> I'm starting to believe it might have to be actually true. Sorry, go <laughs> so You've got nine very nice blokes around your back.
2: Yeah, they're very nice blokes. they been very complimentary to me. Actually, I don't think they did sledge me. There was nine of them there. I don't think anyone said anything bad to me. It was more just, good day, mate. <laughs> there you go.
0: Oh, you're tall, aren't you? You're tall. Yeah, well <laughs> lovely bit. I love those stickers, by the way, because there's so little actual law inf- breaching here in New Zealand that's fascinating. I didn't know law firms actually existed here <laughs> in this perfect bloody country where everyone's so bloody nice.
2: But, anyway, I had these nine nice blokes around the bat and um, and I hid it straight into Tim Southey's hands at Silly Point uh, and walked off having bagged a pair and uh, this... Gra- this um, company who paid me a couple of grand to have a sticker on my bat got all of about six balls exposure over the course of a test match and it's, it's pretty solid to say that after that they didn't didn't sponsor me again that was it the one test match they were on my bat
0: such nice guys aren't they finny that they don't like you know drop it when you're on a pair what total bastards if you play the yeah, big exactly, I yeah. tell you if you play old wimbledonians that they, they wouldn't do that they'd they'd drop it they'd let you you know first ball you never get out
2: that's the thing about professional cricketers take such great pleasure in people bagging a pair. So if someone comes in after having scored naught in the first innings against you and you uh, and you're bowling at them or you're fielding, there's so much noise around the bat about bagging a pair because it is just so shameful to bag a pair. You just you don't want to walk off with two globes against your name. So yeah, every time someone comes in to bat, you're on pair watch and someone's <laughs> always looking around the grounds. Oh, did they bag a pair? Did they bag a pair? always oh, bagged a pair today unlucky unlucky <laughs> another time I bagged a pair I ran myself out to bag a pair and this was in a low scoring game against Kent at Canterbury in 2009 and my teammates thought it would be funny that when I came off the pitch that they'd got a pair from the uh, the tea cart like literally a pair, <laughs> a Sainsbury's plastic bag, one of them had it in their bag and hung it on my spot in the dressing room. So when I got back to the dressing room, I literally had a bag with a pair in it after having bagged a pair.
0: <laughs> I hope you pointed out the illiteracy of that.
2: It's brand. beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. lucky that yeah. I did it without mumbling.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. Well, they spoke pear wrong for a start. They should have brought you, I mean, a pear of something. I mean, it's, it's, that's absolutely classic. Is, is it frustrating for me because
1: all bowlers you know, secretly are desperate to score runs. And we saw how happy Joe Root was with his five for today, telling you if England had won that Test match, that would go down as Joe Root's favourite ever moment in Test cricket. Batsmen love taking wickets, which is a rare occurrence, and bowlers love scoring runs. Is it frustrating for you? Because obviously your teammates don't expect you necessarily to score that many runs, but it still you must be really angry when you get a pair, but you kind of have to go back in and sort of laugh it off because your teammates are showing you no sympathy at all.
2: Yeah, pretty much. If you show any sign of weakness or caring, or not caring, because you do care, but if you show any cracks in your armour, people latch onto it. So you can't let that happen. I mean, luckily, we were ahead in that game that they left the pair in my spot. How do it been tricky or had we been behind in the game i can't imagine that they'd have been comfortable doing that so <laughs> people pick and choose their times like the sandwiches in the gloves that we've discussed before that we can discuss again at some stage if we like um, but yeah it's one of those things where you don't show any chinks in your armor in a dressing room because people do latch onto it very very quickly
0: i've got to say also that the pear is my second least favorite fruit shocking fruit banana. yeah shocking for
2: of it whoa whoa whoa, whoa 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 i'll, I'll join you on pear because
1: no, but hang on, pear, I, 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 pears. Yeah, I'm with you. No one likes a pear, and they're ugly. They've got like sort of some brown like yeah, moss growing rubbish. over them and stuff. But did you just slag off the banana?
0: No, I can't bear the banana. It's it, it's not a fruit. It's
1: not a fruit. But, I don't know. Oh, what, I don't but,
0: know what it is, but it's it's just it's bang out of order. Is the banana?
1: Where do you stand on a banana, Finny? No,
2: I'm happy with a banana.
0: I'm happy with a banana.
1: I'm happy with a banana. I'm su- I'm surprised by that. I'll tell you what. what if it wasn't for wine grapes Gra- well who eats grapes
0: I, I have grapes in a smoothie most mornings
2: i've got a tub of grapes in my kitchen there you go <laughs>
1: <laughs> just 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 me then is it? Yeah. just me. I, I, maybe it's because i just associate with them with just the, the hospital anytime anyone ever eats grapes is when they're about to die normally so i guess maybe i've maybe i've just maybe i just associate grapes with with saying goodbye to loved ones over the years i don't know what it is <laughs> but uh but I'll, def- I'll defend the banana till the day i die i'm not having that cross. So Johnny Bairstow, he is a very good batsman. There's a lot of talent in there somewhere, um, a test match to forget. You know, I'm sure he'll play the next test and hopefully he'll score some runs as well. One question I do want to ask is, can Jofra Archer actually bat? Because I'm starting to think that Jofra Archer, it, it, it's a myth. He basically scored a few runs in his very early IPL career and now he's batting at eight. Oh, at eight? I'm sorry, Joffre Archer has done nothing to justify batting at eight for England. Finney, have you played against him much? Have you bowled at him much? I'm, I'm starting to think this bloke's just absolutely a walking wicket.
2: Yeah, I have played against him, but I made cardinal sin of hitting him in the head when I bowled at him at Lord's. And yeah, it's fair to say when I came out to bat the following day, actually, I saw him in the long room the following morning. And he didn't say anything to me, really. I was like, morning, Joff. He was like, morning. And he was like, you'll be getting that back. Don't worry. And I was like, <laughs> oh, nice. oh, shit. Okay, this isn't going to be fun. So the next day or that later that day, we were batting and he was bowling Thunderbolts. So I walk out to bat. Who's bowling? Joffre. And I thought, well, first of all, he may just go for my stumps and do the ultimate disgracing of me and just send my off stump back to the wicketkeeper and push me on. But... I think he took great pleasure in trying to hurt me. So he, he banged on in halfway down and it just hit me in front of my face, squeezed my finger against the bat. I like dropped the bat, was running around going, ah, oh, that hurts so much, <laughs> shit, 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 shit. Turn around and the wicketkeeper and slips are all laughing. And they're saying, you, you shouldn't have hit him in the head yesterday when you bowled at him. Um, he's pretty pissed off about that. And then the next ball, it took me about 10 minutes to face up to the next ball. The next ball, I was like, right. Well, he's going to try and hit me in the face again. Um, I'm going to try and hit him out of Lords if I can to to say that at least I hit Jofra Archer for six, and I spliced it straight to square leg and was quietly relieved that square leg caught him.
0: <laughs> how can you not know, by the way? How can you not know not to bounce Jofra Archer?
2: Well,
1: this was going to be my question Sorry. because I this I always well no absolutely because I always get confused by this when I watch fast bowlers bounce fellow fast bowlers. I'm going, no, bounce the off spinner. Sure, bounce, hit Jack Leach in the head as many times as you want. What's he going to do? Bowl with a bit more flight when he comes out. I mean, what's he going to do? But I, I guess, Philly, did you make the decision yourself to run in a bowler bouncer? Or I guess sometimes your captain goes, right, I'm going to put two men out you know, give a bit of chin music here. In your head, you're going, oh, this is going to come oh, up. That's right why now. you
2: say to the captain, like, are you sure that's the right plan? It's just nibbling around <laughs> off a of length, actually. It might be better to keep it that length. Um, but no, I think he'd hung around. But the, well, the reason we got onto the story was I've played against him and he's hung around and is he's, he's a capable batsman. So you're almost forced into a corner where you're like, I don't really want to bounce this bloke here because he's going to come after me. But I have to because of the situation of the game and... Bowling at his stumps isn't getting him out currently, so you have to use another plan. So yeah, did that and, and hit him on the head. And then about 24 hours later, I was icing my finger, regretting what I'd done. <laughs> um,
1: Daniel, what I mean, I, I'm, I'm yet to see Joffrey Archer score any runs. Do, do you reckon he <laughs> can bat?
2: Well,
0: he hits a long half volley really, really well over wide, long on, stroke deep mid-wicket. And he so hits, does everyone nowadays. Yes, doesn't he? I know. I know. Well, look, <laughs> he can't bat in the sense of what batting really is. But to be a batsman is not to be able to smash a ball over the boundary. Devin Malcolm did that famously at the Oval Cup the time. And to be a batsman is, is to be in control of your game and to know how you're going to construct an innings. And unfortunately, Joffre hasn't demonstrated any of those attributes in test cricket to date. Uh, I mean his, his dismissal in the first innings was possibly more embarrassing than the one in the second innings I mean you, you could sort of misjudge the fight in the second innings he went for the sweep and it was really full it might have dipped to him who knows the first one was just sort of vaguely hilarious because it was one of those ones at club level part of the reason everyone's completely baffled by this test match is at a club level if someone bowls 60 mile an hour straight balls at you you watch the ball onto the bat because that's coming at you at a reasonable pace a test cricket they get bamboozled by 60-mile-an-hour straight balls. 90-mile-an-hour straight balls from Jasper Bumra. not a trouble at all. Yeah. So, um, and unfortunately, Jofra was completely bamboozled by the one that did nothing at all. <laughs> Absolutely <Yeah>. nothing <laughs> at all. I mean, oh, yeah. He was even a bit short and was doing yeah. nothing at
1: all. Uh, I mean, Alistair Cook did make a good point because when you watch back the England wickets, if you were working today or you were asleep or you missed the cricket and you only turned back on to watch where they just play all the wickets in a row very quickly. It just looks like England are just missing straight ball after straight ball. Alistair Cook did make a good point. You don't see the build-up, and there were balls that were pitching on leg and turning square and bouncing and stuff that set up the straight ball. But it did at times just feel like England were just missing straight bowling. But uh, I'm sure it's much more complicated than that. Well, let's see. I'm sure. Look, I want Jofra Archer to be able to bat. I want him to to make me eat my words. And the way that mine and Daniel's predictions are going on this podcast so far, almost certainly Jofra Archer is going to probably score two hundred in the next Test match. But uh, now, Johnny Bairstow's innings was ugly. I think we can all agree of that. Not as ugly as the pink waistcoats that the uh, Indian broadcasters are being forced to wear in the coverage. Uh, I saw Murali Kartik wearing one, uh, and Ajit Agarkar wearing one they they are horrendous those pink waistcoats I, I, they're like they don't fit right they look uncomfortable they look like they're made out of cardboard they they, they actually i can't understand I'm, i can't listen to anything any of them are saying even if they're saying something really fascinating because i'm going hideous waistcoat hideous waistcoat hideous waistcoats in my head at all times and that i've done a tv show with daniel norcross who, who specializes yeah. in hideous clothing and even I was able to concentrate during that. Have you ever been forced to wear anything against your will for any of your jobs, Daniel?
0: Uh, yes. Uh, the, the, during the during the Red Bull, yeah, the, the Ruth strauss test, uh, I, I always get the memo that is, please only wear red. And the only things I've got that are red are a red satin jacket, a red Doug Mountjoy, God bless his soul, recently departed Welsh snooker player, frilly shirt, with black piping it looks absolutely magnificent Um, (laughs)
1: if you may say it it doesn't sound it a
0: a red knitted bow tie that was sent to me by the uh, only member of my band club and uh, very huge and a pair of red trousers and uh, and, and red shoes and I look an absolute abomination and every year CMS takes a picture of it and uh, tweets it out so yeah I'm used to this but I mean look Philly will be more used to it that's Essentially, it's Middlesex pink that they're wearing. And I'm imagining that, Lords, isn't that how you're sort of serviced by gay men in pink waistcoats whenever there's a T20 on? I mean, I never get to go down that neck of the woods because they won't let me be an MCC member.
2: Quite right, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too, quite. I mean, quite right, too,
1: indeed. I mean, I'll tell you now, any sort of any sort of members, private members clubs that are listening, do not let Daniel Norcross in. <laughs> Uh, it, it will be the worst decision you ever make, ever. I guess, Finney, so every every season when you get your get your new kit, you must be like, oh, excited, new stash today, new stash today. Have you ever sort of unwrapped a New England one-day shirt or a new Middlesex 2020 shirt and gone, oh, that's hideous. I've got to wear that all season.
2: Yeah, there's there's been some shockers over the years. I think the worst thing that I've ever been given to wear, team issue, was for our under 19 world cup that we spoke about when i had that dodgy haircut and we spoke about that a few weeks ago that same trip they gave us brown suits to wear so when we turned up to the world cup we had to wear brown suits with a uh, a yellow shirt so we looked like we looked like ups delivery men who get getting out the getting out the van is it ups that wear the brown stuff yeah
1: yeah, they've they've got the van with no door on. Yeah, I've never understood that. Just put whack a door on, <laughs> a door on, boys. Is yeah,
2: is it, no it's prime for carjacking, <laughs> that isn't it? I thought that a number of times. Um, but it's um yeah, like they gave us these hideous brown suits, and I remember showing my parents it, and my mum was like you're not seriously fucking turning up to a World Cup wearing that, are you? And I was like, well, yeah, it's my England suit, mum. It's great. And she, she's laughing at me, saying it looks shocking. And now looking back on those photos, first of all, I've got a haircut that makes me look critically ill. And then second of all, I'm wearing this brown suit with a yellow shirt. And, and it's just, yeah, it was not a good combination. I do have pictures of that somewhere. It's, it's not ideal. I love,
0: the, I love the fact that first and foremost in your brain is carjacking. When you see UPS, vans. I have to say, I just think that looks a bit drafty, but you're actually thinking about carjacking.
2: Yeah, just think, if the bloke leaves the keys in, you're off with people's parcels. Wait, you're off. I was going to say,
1: you've got a whole back, everything in the back's valuables that people are waiting to arrive at their house. And some bright spot thought it was a good idea to take the doors off and also make them wear shorts. Have you been in New York in December? It's freezing. Poor bloke's got no door on and some shorts. Stupid. That's why I'm an Amazon man, and I always will be till I die.
0: Because <laughs> you can't, because you, because you can't carjack them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, because I know that my parcel's going to arrive because nobody's carjacked the poor driver in shorts on the way.
0: <laughs> I want to disassociate myself with both of these people. I'm absolutely disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: now you did mention that uh, Daniel Norcross there briefly. Your fans, and and uh, before we go, there is one. Topic that we need to discuss. Fan, and this is more important. Fan, not fans, fan. Toby. <laughs> well, this is more important than anything else that's going on at the minute. So, uh, Stephen Finn today was doing the cricket social for the BBC and covering England versus India. And some nice tweets came in about Stephen Finn's performance and how he was a, a breath of fresh air and what a great addition to the cricket social he is and how lovely it is to hear his voice on on the radio. Um, and Finney was taking great delight in this you know and uh and we were we were all looking at twitter and seeing the lovely feedback for finney and sharing it on our whatsapp group and daniel norcross perked up and saw a few of the ladies that had been commenting on how great Stephen finn was and daniel went i know those two they're always tweeting lovely things about me daniel norcross Stephen finn mm. is stealing your listeners and your listeners are a very particular type usually
0: lonely women and alcoholics and finney's <laughs> hoovering them up well, I wouldn't like to say uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't like to, to attach those uh, titles to them, Toby, because I have no idea whether they're lonely or alcoholic. But but, you know, they were my fans once. And, you know, he's got 250 international wickets, as he keeps on telling us. He's got, you know, a, a, a thirty two thousand pound megabucks contract in the hundred. He's he's basically taken my slot on the social today. I wasn't there, was I? He was. Is there anything else you want to steal from me, Finny? I mean, I've got precious little in yeah, my What have you 50, got? Nearly 52. What? I'm nearly 52. <laughs> I've got sod all left. And what little I do have left, you're stealing from yeah. me.
2: Well, tell me what you've got that's valuable to you, and I'll do my best to jag that as well.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: uh, and then, as if that's not bad enough, I'm, I'm doing my radio show, uh, you know, my, my, my fantastic radio show, Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., Radio X, if you're ever around. And I start getting tweets and texting going, "Uh, Toby, not listening to the show today because I'm just listening to the BBC coverage of the cricket. So Finney's stealing my listeners and Dan's fans it's unbelievable. Do you know what me and Daniel Norcross would give to have had an international cricket career, Finney? You've had your fun. Let us have this moment. It's unbelievable. Who else can we get on this podcast? Have we gone gone too far to turn this ship around?
0: It's the entitlement of the man. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm thinking maybe Laurie Evans. Yeah, maybe perfect. maybe a replacement... with. Yeah. Oh, mind you, that said, Laurie's quite popular. Where's he that beanie. It'd
2: be far more um, far more interesting than I am, though. That's uh, that'd be the
0: important. Right Ryan side bottom. Let's go. There with we that. go. Yeah. there's no fret there, yeah, is there? Man.
2: There's no.
1: <laughs> the the sad fact is, Daniel, that let's be honest, if if we go before finney uh, goes hold on Let's city
2: our city did dancing on ice didn't he he'd have a tribe of women who've seen him in sequins on dancing on oh, ice Christ, so. you're right there's no one left is there oh, there's, there's- got
0: to be someone is david ward still around the old surrey player do you remember david ward
2: yeah
0: do you know what i like is <laughs>
1: when you watch old 50s cricket and they're all really ugly blokes what we need, what that's what cricket is missing is more ugly blokes that make daniel and i look better uh, if, we could, if we could sort of get the ECB keeping an eye out. In the nets, when we're looking for the next, you know, they do all these programmes around the country of find England's next fast bowler or find England's next spin bowler and all that. I just want an ECB scout that stands in the net and going, well, he's crap, but he's also hideous. So we'll give him a go and make Daniel and Toby feel better. That, that would be fantastic. Um, anyway, well done in your performance on the cricket social, Finney. Well done, well done. Chaps, um, sooner than I expected to see you. Uh, but always lovely nonetheless. We are going to put a podcast out next week at some point with all this spare time we've now got on our hands. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. But yeah, at Zero Ducks Pod on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I believe Sal's also, producer Sal is hoovering up a few more other social media accounts and all, and all sorts of stuff's going on at the moment.
0: Can I just ask you though, Toby, because we heard about Stephen Finn's worst game that he had ever played. Mm. Yeah, yes. in, in many ways, I mean, we probably played more games of cricket actually than him because they last even less time than in an India-England test match. And we were dead keen and didn't like really, really want it to rain the whole time when we played. So, what was, what was your worst performance?
1: Dropping Zafir Sari at school when he was on 19 and he went out to get 164 was pretty bad.
0: Mm. Um, I also, nice. uh, last
1: season, I, uh, I batted number 11 for my club. Uh, last season, I'm all padded up, ready to go in. It was actually quite a tense time in the game. And I turned around to my two mates, Jack and Willow, I'm sat with, and I went... Uh, the wicket fell and it was my turn to go out. And I, I nudged them and went, I hope there's enough red ink in that pen. Watch this, lads. Uh, <laughs>
0: no, no, Toby, no. Uh,
1: and, and obviously I walked out and missed a straight one and Mr. got out first ball. What about you, Daniel Norcross?
0: Talk to me about your worst innings. Well, I'd say the innings my worst, but I mean, my teammates thought it was the worst. I, I was uh, playing in a 30-over game and I knew I wasn't going to get to play much cricket, either before it, in the season or after it. So I set my stall out to bat. I was 10 not out after 20 overs. And uh, you would not believe the amount of grief I was getting from my teammates. Um, (laughs) I mean, I I could barely hit the ball off the square and I was missing a vast number of them. And I think I was probably dropped four times deliberately (laughs) by the oppo. But um, I enjoyed it. I got to bat for quite a while.
1: I'll tell you what, England would rip their hand off for an opening batsman who could do that at the moment. So, uh, you know, well, Johnny Besto, if you're listening... uh, it could be worse. It could be worse. We've concluded that Johnny Best, though it could have been worse. Uh, Joffer Archer can't really bat, but he's quite good if you hit him on the head, and that basically Stephen Finn will drop his half century into just about any conversation ever. Uh, we will see you next week at Zero Ducks Pod on Twitter, Instagram, uh, and pretty much everything. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please tell anyone that you think might be interested in the podcast. Uh, also, I'm, I'm told that five star reviews are very handy. So, I mean. I'm going to outright ask you to give us a five-star review. Not four, not four. I don't even care if you think it's a five-star product. Just give us a five-star review uh, because apparently that looks good. So thank you very much for listening and we will see you next week. But uh, we'll see you next week when England prepare for a definite victory against India.
2: Have a good one. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast
0: Network.